You're listening to Youth Ministry Maverick, a podcast about mold-breaking methods to invest in the next generation of the church. Here's your host, Jeff Harding. What's going on, everybody? This is Jeff. Welcome back to Youth Ministry Maverick. You're listening to Episode 79, Christ-Centered Storytelling. My guest today is someone I work with, Matt Baer. Matt is the student ministry director here at Calvary Church, and him and I talk about the importance of making sure the stories we tell about Jesus are actually centered on Jesus. Uh, He is great at doing that himself, and so the perspective he brings is a healthy one. So let's go ahead and hop into that conversation with Matt. Welcome back to the podcast. Good to have you here. And Matt, it's good to have you here. This is Mr. Matt Baer. He's the youth mm-hmm. pastor here at Calvary Church. My guest today, as you may have guessed. Matt, tell us a little bit about yourself for those who might not know who you are. Yeah. Uh, well, one thing about you called me Mr. Matt for probably the first time <laughs> to my face. Uh, and I just did. am not a title person. Like, I get that. I'm now an adult, but for some reason I don't love like titles like Pastor Matt, Mr. Matt. She's like, hey, just, just Matt, which I think is so counter my parents' generation. Like my parents were sticklers yeah. for no, you say yes, sir. No, it's also sir, a no, Texas no. thing, Mister, Miss, whatever. Yeah, yeah that's a it is a big a thing, Texas thing. But I feel like my generation. So I'm almost thirty, and we tend not to like be consumed with the titles. Maybe I don't. know. I think it's just a distinct. I don't know, attribute something different. Anyways, that has nothing to do with my job. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm a youth pastor. I've been here for, this is year four. All right. Uh, at this church, I used to work for our satellite campus as a children's pastor, and then now the sixth through 12th grade youth pastor here. Um, love it. It's obviously got its difficulties, as every job does, but mm-hmm. there's something to um, the relationships that I think stir a lot of stuff and allow me to stay in it. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And your new dad? I'm a new dad. Yep. My son is two months old in three days. So he is, uh, just telling you, he's putting on the pounds. He yeah. jumped from like 20th percentile weight and height to like 50th percentile from like birth to two month mark. So it's good to see him growing up. Yeah. Good, healthy weight. Yeah, man. He's awesome. getting there. All right, so today uh, we're talking about the theological significance of making sure your stories that you tell are Christ-centered. Um, and, you know, when we tell stories to students, we can often use Jesus, like, as a piece of it, but then to make our own point, and I think we miss out on why a lot of those stories that either Jesus tells parables or just stories that involve Jesus and how we kind of miss it. And I think uh, doing so can result in... Well, doing so can range in just like kind of being ignorant of your Christology all the way to maybe having your Christology wrong. Yeah. Uh, so, Matt, let's start with definitions and descriptions. Uh, what does it look like for youth workers or teachers to miss the right emphasis or perspective of a story about Jesus? Yeah, I think, well, to start off, stories are so important. Like there's mm-hmm. this idea of like he who tells the best story wins yeah like i think you see that in politics of and the politics may not matter but the person who tells the best story about their politics who you'll vote for mm-hmm. and there's this idea of the way we tell stories matter the way jesus told stories matters and so i think in in 
churches in particular, we can get caught in um, a sermon series and a, a desire to make a point that may be good that we miss Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like we trade Jesus in for some good idea. Yeah. And like, yeah, good ideas are great. But I think um, a super classic example is uh, Peter on water. You know, we okay. we did this at summer camp where we talked about the story of, of Peter walking on the water um, and every Bible teacher ever, especially in youth ministry, tells the story of like, keep your eyes locked on Jesus. And when you look away, you sink. And like, is that true? Yeah. But also like, not the point of the story. Like Peter's not the main character. Like Jesus is the main character of the story. And like the point isn't where is Peter looking, but the point of the story is, hey, no matter where you look, Jesus has his eyes locked on you firmly. Mm -hmm. And like, we, yeah, yes, we want to be looking at Christ. We don't want to turn to the waves of our lives or whatever. But more importantly, like, more important than what our eyes see is that our Savior, His eyes are locked on us. And I think we can get really caught up in the in our sermon series, in our care for our students, in our individual experience, that we might miss what what Jesus could be doing and could yeah. be up to. It's, yeah. it's far easier to relate to Peter than it is to relate to Jesus, <laughs> you know? Uh, but another big misstep, I think, is just to put ourselves in the story. That's a super common thing I see. Like, well, if you were in this story, mm-hmm. and I think about like David and Goliath, like if you are reading David and Goliath and you put yourself in David's shoes, like you miss and you die. <laughs> and then so does all of Israel loses. So like the point of Bible stories is not to put ourselves in their places. In fact, most of the time when I read the scriptures, I'm really thankful I'm not in their shoes. Yeah. And like, I'm just trying to be faithful in my lot uh, as they were faithful in their lot. Yeah. No, that's a good point, man. It's uh, it's not to say that ideas we have or big ideas we have or points are are wrong, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think you nailed that. One of the temptations of story is to put ourselves in it, and that's that's the one of the benefits of stories and narrative is that you can relate. Yep. But yeah, when you put yourself in it, and if you're getting the main point of the story wrong, yeah, that's a dangerous combination that can can it result in like things that are true, sure, but the main point. No, and then that deters from the right Christ-centered perspective that you can take with your ministry. And it's not just even sermons, it's devotionals, it's things that you hope students do at home with reading their Bible and everything else, yeah. understanding it. If they take that, take that perspective of, well, you know, Matt said this was the point, or Jeff said this was the point, so I'm going to focus on that and make that the lens mm-hmm. instead of like having a good view of Scripture and seeing Jesus throughout all of it and just who He is. You can get off track very quickly. Yeah, yeah. I think any guide rails you can put in place to keep you on track are mm-hmm. are great. You know, yeah. Um, like I give our students questions, uh, and if we're going, if we're I love to teach exegetically, just verse by verse. And I always start with the first three questions of uh, what do you see in this text? What does this text teach you about God? And then uh, what is the point or something like that? It's Mm -hmm. it's not about the question, how does this text make you feel, is not (laughs) uh, ever one I start with um, or use. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to make your feelings or your own thoughts on Mm -hmm. what's best the lens or the starting place yeah. for scripture. Yeah. The, there is great beauty in how the Lord stirs our affections, but I also know that my affections can be fickle, 
that they can mm-hmm. wander. And if I, I never want to be a slave to my emotions or my affections. I know the Lord's bigger than that. I know he's better than that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's absolutely right. It's good for like what we have to worry about ourselves as youth workers is also like kind of what we want students to be aware of as they're listening and then hearing scripture and applying it for themselves. Like, it's like, yeah, I might have more knowledge or more experience or whatever, but like, I'm telling you this from my own wisdom, <laughs> yeah. from my own messing up that like, don't make the same mistakes I did. Focus yeah. on the right thing. Is that how you start in the messages? Like, hey, I have more knowledge than you guys do. <laughs> Listen Every to time, me. man, I push my glasses up, yeah. pull up my diploma and tuck it out, hang yeah. in my pocket so you can see it and then say, yeah. by the way. The first slide is just your DTS degree. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. Every time. Doesn't everyone do yeah. that? Like, it's good. kind of flex their... Their Jesus muscles. <laughs> it's good. So, so you, so we brought up stories at the very first, and mm-hmm. um, I think, I think stories are the are the main part, and we've talked about how like those can be deceiving, but stories are so powerful, and even if, even if you take a story and you get caught up in the entertainment of it, which is bad, I think you can still come back to stories and use them wisely, right? So Jesus told stories; he used parables. Some of the most entertaining preachers or teachers or just like small group leaders or whatever, very good storytellers are enthralling. They're really good to listen to. They can highlight good truths that might be subtly like, oh, I didn't think about that for myself. And it might, it probably hits people differently, but for some people who it's more, it's like, wow, I never saw that before. And, um, and that's good. But I mean, we already can answer this question. So, you know, I think getting caught up in the excitement of, or art of telling a story can make us get off track. Yeah. What else do you think are some other reasons why people look at a story involving Jesus or where the answer or the main point is clearly who Christ is and his character and what he does for us besides getting caught up in telling a story, what might be some other reasons why it can be easy for us to get off track and not make Jesus the center of our content or what we're sharing with students? Yeah. Uh, I think sometimes the point Jesus is making is shorter than our teaching window is. Okay. <laughs> so like uh, the the other week, like my message was 15 minutes max, maybe, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is like real, sh- real short. Like that morning I was 30 minutes at the, at the campus for the Sunday morning teaching. But then for the youth teaching, it was 15 minutes. Yeah. Cause that was the point. And sometimes we feel like, we have to fill the window. We have to mm-hmm. fill the space. So let's, okay, so this is the main thing, but let's add more things to it. Yeah. Uh, and some sometimes like the point Jesus is making comes back to like, love God and love your neighbor. And sometimes we want to fill more space than that. Mm-hmm. I also think we one of the, the dangers when it comes to teaching and storytelling in particular, sometimes the they just don't know. Like I, I've talked okay. to a few youth pastors who like don't, there's nothing wrong with not having like seminary training or education sure. um, by any means. I think there's actually great beauty in people who are pastors having never gone to seminary or something like that. But there's the flip side of I've talked to some youth leaders who they don't have the training, nor do they study very well. Oh, okay. And so they've I've talked to too many people who have been like, yeah, I just walk up and I just read the text and then throw some ideas out. I'm like, well, maybe that's not <laughs> a winning strategy. And, you know, it's the classic, like, I don't want to, I want to be organic when I'm up there. I'm like, that's great. (laughs) You should be intentional too. (laughs) You can be both. Uh, So there's this weird, 
desire to not be forced into some academic box okay. that sometimes people can shy away from doing studying and then right. just sit in the story and how it makes them feel and then that can lead down a trail that you don't want to go. So I think those might be two. The time window and then the need or desire for things to feel organic and fresh. And if I study, yep. it won't be organic or fresh. Right. But I think I think the opposite's more true um, mm-hmm. where the more deeply I study God's word, the more amazing it is and the more worthy of putting my trust in it is. And like uh, the the layers and the depths and the study allows me to see how much bigger God is. And I, mm-hmm. I don't have to be afraid of that. I don't have to feel like that's going to take away from the organic relational nature of the text if I sit down with a textbook for a little bit. Right. Yeah, and I think sometimes those those components can combine at times because you're worried about filling the space and also you don't want to, I don't want to do a lecture. I just want to be able to tell a story or relate to my students. Okay. But you know, it doesn't mean you have to just sit up there and read Hebrew or Aramaic, you know, like, like my gospel teacher did where he translated to English in real time. And I'm like, what? That's amazing. Yeah. I also think you need to know, sorry, you need to know your teaching style. So like we have people here who are much more teachers than preachers. Mm-hmm. And when they're communicating from a teaching lens, they're rolling, bro. Like, um, But when they try to move into be a preacher, when that's not who they are, it just seem, it just doesn't come across well. Yeah. It never comes across poorly, but it's not as good as it could be. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of times youth pastors and many pastors just straight up can see somebody else, see a style they like, and try to emulate that rather than embracing like, who they might be necessarily like i've had people i think identity is spoken um and somebody spoke over me once that like uh, i'm a storyteller and that when i'm communicating if it's a story like i'm probably cooking i'm probably rolling and, and i think that's very true and you might be able to write or you might think i just stink at it but it doesn't maybe don't bring that up now so. no, no, no 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 you've heard me countless times affirm especially but, when i was your age there's no way i would have had the insight or the awareness or the talents of speaking no yeah i think there's something to not just like level of ability, but like knowing your lane. Like if you're yeah, self-aware, there's self-aware. a difference between awareness and self-awareness. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, uh, I think about sports. I'm a big Kansas City Chiefs fan. And like, uh, Travis Kelsey wanted to play college quarterback and he was pretty good at it. He's a great athlete, but like he could be the number one tight end in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, just because he's good at something doesn't mean, like, that's his lane of expertise. Mm-hmm. And when we can all find our, as communicators, our lanes of expertise of what kind of communicator are you? And that allows you to communicate more clearly and mm-hmm. more organically than you ever before. So, I, like, for me, I think I'm a, a emotional exegete is the way I, I describe my communication style. Like, I, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. I invite people into my story and how I'm trying to see the beauty of the text. And I love to go verse by verse. And I love to study, like, um, stories or I love to study, like, the text. I'm not a huge topical guy. Like, I think there's definitely a place for those. But when I'm cooking, when I'm comfortable, tends to be... Uh, more exegetical. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So in a second, we're going to get to kind of a checklist or an approach of making sure you're Christ-centered. I think style Mm -hmm. has a lot to do with it too. But when you're talking about um, being organic and approaching the text and then getting deeper and seeing God's Word and being more amazed, I think uh, 
you know, we come like if people who say, well, I want to be organic. And so I just want to give thoughts to it. And you come at a surface approach off the top of your head. Yeah, it can be like in real time thoughts. But if you take time and study it and beyond just what the words say, like thinking about in context of what it means, especially for you, if you read it before and you're like, you know what, when I was getting ready for this message, I was going back through and I realized something I hadn't before and this and this and this, like that by itself is one piece of like helping the students see this is important because of this, but they still have to encounter that themselves. Like when they read scripture or Devo or anything else, like them hearing someone else's experience is great. But if they say, well, that's the goal, I'm going to read this and that's just to be my experience too. Like it's already there or like reading it and say, well, I haven't gotten there yet. So maybe I'm not reading it right. Like it's, I think we'll probably get to that in the checklist of like mm-hmm. helping guide ourselves if we guide students. But yeah, yeah, it's important for especially leaders who pride themselves on if their style is more like personality driven, like quick witted, whatever, like have a catchphrase and they're going to remember it. It might make you pat yourself on the back, but like the way students take away from that, yeah, they might remember some things about it for a little bit, yeah. but then when they have their own experience, they might think, well, that's the goal or I'm not having it and something's wrong. And we haven't guided them well to be able to do it themselves. Yeah, to get to a place where you can just read organically and to communicate, you have to have had so much study already built in. Right. Like you mentioned you had a professor who just read the Hebrew or the Greek, whatever. I had a professor who would just open his Greek Bible and then the lesson was just him teaching over. He would read the Greek and just translate it as he's reading it and then point out like, oh, that's second heiress. That means that this stuff. And I'm like, that's so dumb. But it feels organic because he's just rattling it off. But how many hours and hours did he spend to make it be organic? Yeah. Like that time and that effort. Like the effort's probably done already. And people might just want to jump to being able to be at that level. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. It, yeah. When, when you see people who make it look easy, yeah. it was not easy to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Like something can be really simple, but really profound at the same time. Does it mean simple and easy are not interchangeable? Yep. So, um, so, all right. So let's give our watchers and listeners some advice as far as like a checklist or an approach to make sure maybe here are some guide rails or here are some things I should hit on before I give this message or do this small group lesson to make sure my story or the content is properly centered on Christ. What are some things people can kind of make sure of or make sure that they keep in boundaries of while they're doing that to make them stay on track. So like what, when you're writing a lesson or a small group Devo or something like, what mm-hmm. are the steps you should do? Yeah. That, that, and like maybe a thing or two you should remember while you're presenting as to well. Avoid. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, for, well, we're, this is student youth ministry Maverick. So youth students, I always, I have the word loud written around like my, I use Trello. And so I have that written places so that when I'm preparing a Devo or a message, like it needs to be loud. It needs to be punchy. Um, It needs to be bigger. Like when I communicate to adults, it precision is appreciated. But when I communicate to students, like they, you don't speak at a high school level. You don't speak at a sophomore in college. I mean, like you speak to the middle schoolers and you try to bring everybody in together. Like they say, speak to the seventh grader, speak Mm -hmm. to the eighth grader. Um, so like for, as you start that, like in my mind, like the term loud fills that space of like, this needs to be the way they can understand. 
And so it needs to be a little bit louder. It needs to be distinct from if you were writing to a different group. Mm-hmm. So you have to know your your audience. Okay. Um, I also think incredibly simply, maybe too simply, is um, if you're studying the Bible, like read the Bible. <laughs> like I try to read the text over and over and over again. Um, and I, I have a, a style for taking notes in the text. And it's the way, like my first read through always has like some thoughts, but almost never is like the main point I'm going for Uh in that first read through. And usually not even the third or fourth read through either. So it's like, there's time of just sitting in. um, And I would say get, there's something to sitting in the text. And I'll say there's something to um, getting other points of view, like whether you're going to use like a a ESV study Bible um, or you're going to use a commentary or something. I think those can be, beneficial to make sure you're hitting the main point Mm -hmm. but i I would encourage most people to not turn to those quickly like hey maybe there's some work that the lord's going to teach you through this and so like be willing to sit through that we jump quickly to like you know we always jump quickly why do we not make food at home well because mcdonald's is on the way like that quick fix we go to austin and i think people can turn to commentaries and things like that too quickly Mm -hmm. so i would say yeah use them but sit in the word before that for sure um yeah i think there's probably some other pretty big thoughts that are really important that like i'm not (laughs) uh snagging out of there but if i if i'm ever writing that stuff like uh, i make sure i'm in the text and i pray about it which seems simple right but uh like you said simple and easy aren't the same thing right i think our posture is important so like when you're creating the smaller question you're writing a sermon when you're whatever like are you attempting to create a space for people to think you're awesome or are you trying to cultivate a spot for like the gospel to move and for people to communicate like there's i try to take different postures when i write my message and then when i write small group questions Mm. because my posture when i write my message i want to be like all right how can these people understand the word of god and my posture for the small group questions is like, how can I encourage discussion around the word of God? And like, there's like these things that may like a, a quick saying or a one-off or a zinger or whatever you want to call it, like a big hitting point that connects emotionally. Oftentimes you don't have much you want to say about that. Yeah. So the ability to come up with good biblical points and the idea to come up with like, questions that encourage discussion are just different mm-hmm. and sometimes i did questions for me are harder than writing a message because i'm like the the writing of the right question takes evolutions too because mm-hmm. like, right, i want them to talk about um thankfulness for one another because maybe we don't give thanks for each other enough but just saying like how are you thankful for the person to your left is not a good question <laughs> you know um so having that question, I have the idea now, how do I want to make this something that people can talk about together? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. No, it was good, man. Yeah. I think things we said before and then the specific things you pointed out, I think strung together, those can create good guide rails for us. Cause the more even we just hesitate before doing mm-hmm. something alone and just being able to think and place ourselves in, Hey, when I was 14, yeah. what would I, what, what I, do I remember hearing anything? Okay. If I do, what stuck, what, what what was good, and then always knowing your audience. You mentioned that. like That's important. Yeah. It's important. Yeah, and I think uh, the audience, knowing the audience, knowing the ages, like 
man, students are different than when I was a student, you know? And so yeah, keeping um, a finger on the pulse of like knowing the things that students are wrestling with or knowing where, uh, where points of hurt might be, mm. like knowing topics that might bring much more hurt or emotional baggage than others and knowing yeah. like there's just charged language. And so knowing when to avoid that, mm. to be gentle, to be caring, I think is important. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Well, dude, I appreciate you hopping on. And uh, I know you're not a huge social media person, but no. if people want to track what's going on, they can look up Fuse Mid Rivers on Instagram and yeah, just, you know, <laughs> yeah. Calvary, you know, they can just check out and see what students are doing. But some of your stuff is recorded online and so yeah, yeah i'm not a social media person which is like very odd for a youth pastor person or for a person in general i even just my computer shut down and reset and i can't access facebook oh, and that was good. my last like string of like social media that was on <laughs> and so i just haven't yeah man just not about it. i tried to drop my screen usage on my phone to under two hours a day average and i finally did it i actually got to an hour 30 of that's awesome. And it's tough. To, but I think a big part of that is not using social medias. Like, yeah. Oh, for sure. Because That's it's easy be to sit on there and scroll, be on it. scroll, scroll. And it was actually a message. I was talking to, and I was like convicted of like, wow, I'm on my phone for a long time. I'm like, I think it's probably a waste. Like, I don't think I'll look back on my life and be like, man, I wish I looked at my phone a little longer. Right. <laughs> you know, no. like, uh, especially with like, I have a two-month-old now. It's yeah. Like, I don't think I'll ever be like, I wish I held my phone more than I held Theo. Yeah. <laughs> you know? When you're a parent, that's like guilt. It's like, oh, but man. But there's there's beauty to like the pictures of him and stuff. Yeah, and sure. How he's changed already. But yeah, I think if I can be, it's really easy to say, be present, you know, hang up and hang out, classic stuff like that. But like actually doing it's tough. And it took me, I think, eight months. I set the goal of like, hey, I'm going to drop to under two hours. And I hit... 201 202 over and over again and i finally dropped to sub two hours and it's it's been good it's um just life changes you know mm-hmm. just little i think discipline's important so yeah little things little disciplines add up for sure so, yeah i think it counts toward storytelling and yeah for sure as well. <laughs> yeah loop that sucker back loop around that, yeah, full circle look at that skill full circle. see my diploma there it is yeah <laughs> thanks again man thanks for hopping on for sure dude cool That concludes today's episode. Thanks again to Matt for joining me. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it. And be sure to check out our website, youthministrymaverick.com. There, you can see a comprehensive list of our guests, their bio information, some organizations that can help you in your ministry, some articles I've published, and a store to help support the podcast. Also, we would love if you give us a review on Apple Podcasts, not just a rating, but a review. It helps our visibility, and we would really appreciate that. If you do leave us a review, take a screenshot of it and send it to me, and I will personally mail you a thank you card with some podcast swag that you can't get on the store. Well, that does it for today. Thanks again for listening. Please share this if it helps others that you know, and we hope that you've been encouraged by it. Until next time, adios.